morning, church. Or in light of what we looked at beginning last week, I should say, good morning, people of God. I like it. Doesn't that have a great ring to it, people of God? There's something, something much better about identifying with people of God, isn't there, than with maybe the more nebulous or perhaps more distant-feeling word sometimes, church, don't you think? For you are and we are indeed the people of God. Amen? So good morning, people of God. Last week we began looking at what it means that we are people of God. We are a called, covenant, and chosen people. As people of God, as called people, we see how our being the people of God, God's people, is not our idea. It's God's idea. He calls us, like he called Israel, to be a distinct people. A distinct, unique, set-aside-for-a-special-purpose people. Which is to say, a holy people. That's what holy means. It doesn't mean perfect, but it means distinct, unique, and set-aside-for-a-special-purpose. And set-aside by no less than God himself, for his special purpose. God calls us to be his collectively, for his and not our own purposes. And oh, what a high calling. The best, the highest. We are no less than the people of almighty and all-gracious God. Can I get a wow or an amen, people of God? Last week, we dug fairly deep into that called aspect of being the people of God. We did not and have not yet explored what it means to be a covenant and a chosen people, but we will. I'm saving what it means to be a chosen people for our upcoming series in Exodus. Get to talk about things like predestination and election. Ooh. And so, too, with what it means to be a covenant people, although we'll crack the door a bit on that one, on the covenant one, next week as we conclude our present series on the church. So I haven't forgotten about the fact that we are also covenant and chosen people, those characteristics that mark us as people of God. We will get there in time. But for this morning, I'd like to follow up our question we asked last week, what is church? with the question you see on the screen. Why go to church? Maybe that's a question each and every one of us asked ourselves this morning as our eyes fluttered open in bed. Why am I getting up and going to church? Ooh, it's kind of cold outside. Roll over. When I asked myself that question, my answer was, well, I have to preach. I better go. (laughs) Maybe you said, oh, yeah. Todd said, we're going to get a gift. Let's go. See, we do what we can to get you here. And do you like your little wooden blocks this morning? Oh, just a little? Come on, they're way cool. You want to know what they're for? Well, you're going to have to wait. They're for later this morning. Be patient, people of God. Why did you get up and go to church this morning? 
I would imagine for lots of reasons, in addition to wooden alphabet blocks, of course. Maybe your reasons for coming to church this morning are similar to the reasons we found from the good folks in downtown Denver. See how your reasons for going to church compare with theirs. Let's watch. Um, for, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, I, uh, I need a strong relationship with God. And you can only build that by reading the Bible and going to church. Um, because it helps them feel a part of something, um, something bigger than themselves. Um, wow, that's pretty deep. Just because they want to go sing on a Sunday. Um, to express their religion. Well, it's not the church that they go for. It's the relationship who's the head of the church, which is Christ to me. That's the place that their religion um, holds like their ceremonies and their masses and other events. I don't know. Uh, they want to believe in something, like they want to have faith in something. Oh, because they think they ought to, because um, they have faith. Uh, to maintain their faith. They think they can get something out of it. It's a social norm in a lot of places. They feel that they need to get in touch with God so they can make it to heaven and just have live life as close to God as they can. And uh, people go to church if things are going wrong and they look for help. To worship the Lord. Because they believe in something and they want to uh, get better with their religion, close to God. Because uh, it's a place to share excellent ideas with like-minded individuals. Okay. Lots of reasons why to go to church, some better than others. One, uh, one acronym I learned years ago for the why of church, I think it's from Chuck Swindoll, but I could be wrong, is the word wife. Very appropriate, given that the church is called the Bride of Christ. The why of church can be summarized in those four words, witness, instruction, fellowship, and evangelism. Those are big buckets of words in those areas indeed cover a lot of ground in describing why church or why go to church. But I'm going to take a different angle this morning and instead phrase a couple of reasons for going to church a bit differently. The first reason is very foundational, and that reason for getting up and going to church this morning and every Sunday morning is that it's God's idea that we do church. We go to church to do church because it's God's idea. That's not dissimilar to what we've already talked about last week as being a called people of God. We'll circle back around to it's God's idea again in a bit. But a second reason we got up this morning for church is also the answer to the question, why is it God's idea that we go to church, do church, are the church the people of God? Why did God think this was a good idea? Many reasons, again, I'm sure, but I'm going to focus on one why in particular today in answer to both questions, why go to church, and also, why does God think it's a good idea for us to go to church? In one word, the answer to those questions is diversity. 
In two words, unified diversity. In three, the answer is unity and diversity. Where else can we go as a people of God to unite with everyone and work closely together for a common purpose with other people of God who are different than us? What's a better option than church? Over the past 20 or so years, it seems to me especially, it has become rather popular for some authors to bash the idea of church. Church bashing seems to sell well in a postmodern emergent age. They like to suggest that Christians simply getting together on their own, wherever and whenever, doing whatever Christ-like things, is a perfectly acceptable alternative to gathering together on Sundays with a local church. I adamantly disagree. While getting together wherever and whenever to do whatever with other Christians is a great idea, I hope we all do it often, it is no substitute for getting together on Sundays with a greater company of the people of God at a local church. People who resist that idea as being essential or even important like to quote Matthew 18.20 where Jesus says, For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. There you have it, the argument goes. It only takes two or three to have church. So enough with these larger local church things with all their problems and politics. Well, two things in response to that line of reasoning. First, the context itself of Matthew 18.20 points to a very different conclusion. Please always check your context of any passage. In context, Jesus in this passage tells us that if a brother sins against us, we should go to him privately and seek reconciliation. If he doesn't listen, then we should take one or two others along with us. Aha! There's the two or three gathered in Jesus' name. Take one or two along with us and try it again for reconciliation. If he still says no, Jesus says, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, well, he needs a timeout from being considered part of the people of God. So, in context, clearly... The two or three coming together is not the church. Oh, those two or three coming together serve a useful purpose. In this context, as witnesses when trying to help a struggling brother or sister in Christ, and also just being with other believers. But the two or three are not the church. Jesus clearly identifies the church as something other in this passage, a larger body locally assembled in such a way that it can be told something, and the erring individual can listen to it. It's something more than two or three gathered in Jesus' name. Second, Jesus himself hung out with two or three gathered in his name all the time. We know them as the disciples. And yet, Jesus relentlessly joins in synagogue and temple services all the time. And today, church is really a fascinating combination of the synagogue and temple in Jesus' day. 
a combination melded together by the death and resurrection of Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. My point is this. If even Jesus thought it important to participate in and be part of something more than two or three gathered in his name, well, shouldn't we? Please hear me. I am not saying that getting together with other Christians whenever and wherever to do whatever is a bad idea. I'm not saying stop doing that. It's a great idea. Please do it often. It's great. And God uses it wonderfully. What I am saying, however, is please don't sacrifice your time throwing all in with a local church in order to do the two or three together thing. Don't kid yourself that simple Christian fellowship is a substitute for the church. It's not. Church is something very important to do in addition to Christian fellowship wherever and whenever to do whatever Christ-like things. I teach Bible, not math. But every once in a while, I get the bug to tinker with math. So brace yourselves. I'm about to tinker with math again. In one week's time, in seven days, there are a little more than 10,000 minutes in a week. And let's say we're asleep for about a third of them. I'll even let you sleep in a little. Very gracious of me, I know. You're welcome. And so that leaves... That leaves around 6,500 minutes where we're awake. And we can basically choose to do what we want with our time. 6,500 weekly waking minutes God gives us to manage as our life. My friends, going to church Sunday morning asks you for 60 of those minutes. It's less than 1%. See, this is what drives me just a little bit crazy when we as a praise and worship staff agonize over trying our best to keep the service to 60 rather than 75 minutes. Yeah, you laugh, but we do it because we hear from you. We tend to focus on squeezing the 1% rather than daring to ask ourselves whether something in the remaining 99% of our time can adjust. 6,500 weekly waking minutes. Can we spend 90 here on Sunday mornings? Even 200? Oh, my word. If we dedicate the entire morning out of 6,500, even 3% of our weekly waking minutes? Now, right now, I'm having to fight the feeling that I'm, I'm being rude. The nerve of this man asking for more of my time. I saw you look at your watch. You know what? But I'm going to risk that with you this morning. Can we, the people of God, have more minutes of your time? Please? I know it's precious. That's why we want it. I know you have a lot going on. 
I do too. But can we each of us spare more minutes for the people of God collected all together? It's the only time we do it all week, all of us together. We really have less than no margins than that in our life? Or that's all the time we have to spare for the people of God? See, and I know, there is much more time than Sunday mornings at stake when it comes to doing church. At least I hope so. But whatever that total number of weekly minutes is for you, how does that number compare to the 6,500 total waking minutes you have and you get to steward and decide what to do with each week? How many of your minutes will you give to the people of God assembled together? Now, I have faith in you. I'm betting that you'll give a whole lot of those minutes if you see any value to it. So what's valuable about going to church? Aha! We've circled back to the church being God's idea. You know, God's pretty smart. And He's kind of wise. And He knows us fairly well. He only made us. And God clearly loves us and wants best for us. Please consider the cross if you're tempted to struggle with God's love for you. So this being the people of God and coming together for His purpose is God's idea. And therefore, it must be valuable, I reckon. He's God, and He ought to know. And here again is this unity and diversity thing. In my opinion, a key reason why church is indeed valuable, again, not the only reason, but nevertheless, one chief reason God's idea behind the church is unity and diversity. We're each of us very different from each other. Have you noticed? I mean, take a look around you right now. Go ahead. You can even turn like all the way around. I know it's church. Ooh. Okay, go ahead. Now, keep looking. Just, just look at all of those weird people who are not you. Aren't they weird? And the Bible and psychologists and other experts will all tell you that each of us as human beings tends to define weird as anything not like me. We tend to define normal as me. I am the frame of reference for normal, obviously. How incredibly humble of our human nature. And so if you're not like me, well then, you're weird. <laughs> you're welcome. So here we are. 
my fellow Weirdians, surrounded by a host of weird people. And if you're sitting anywhere near Chris Sage, then you're even now realizing that some people near you are weirder than others. Chris forgets that every time he comes after me in a skit or video, I get the last word. John learned that this morning, too, I think. But I don't. Now we're even, guys, right? I love you guys. Love you, Sage. So, so here we are, surrounded by, not like me, weird people. Well, why on earth would we do that? See, I think God knows that left to our own counsel, we wouldn't. We wouldn't bother spending time with not like me weird people. I think that's why it's been squeezed down to 1%. Used to be not too long ago, almost every church had Sunday morning and Sunday evening services. You can count those denominations now on one hand. I wonder why. We're more civilized, and we don't need to do that anymore. Oh, really? If left to our own counsel, we wouldn't bother spending time with not-like-me weird people. So that's why God says, do it. He knows we need a little shove, a little urging, because we wouldn't naturally do it on our own. Well, why, God? Why tell us to spend time with weird people? With people not like us. After all, God, that's so hard. I don't get them. They don't get me. It's so hard to try and cooperate with, to be with, to work with, to get anything done with all of these not-like-me weird people. Why ask me to do that, God? It's so hard. And in my opinion, God's response to that question would be something like, exactly. That is why. I want you to do it Because it is hard. And why would God want us to do something so hard? Well, it forces us to look to Him rather than to others or ourselves. And you know what else? It grows us. Like iron sharpening iron. When we are challenged to closely interact with people not like us, We stand to learn something, to become someone greater than just individual me. We gain a different perspective. We experience Jesus differently through differently gifted people and their experiences. And that helps us to grow and mature. The staff here at West Bowles is weird. (laughs) Beginning with me. We're all weird to each other. But you know what? It's a weirdness that I cherish. Because in the hard work of coming together despite our differences, we grow, each of us individually and all of us collectively. 
Take Paul Wiggs, for example. Where are you, Paul? I asked your permission this morning, correct? All right, you still sure it's okay? All right, no, you're not. Paul is one weird guy. <laughs> wow, I got an amen to that. I, it, And I'm sure he would tell you the same about me. Well, he might not because he's more polite than I am. There are many things where Paul and I don't see eye to eye. So to me, working with my definition, definition of weird, since I'm normal and have a corner on all truth, Paul's weird. And let me tell you, I wouldn't change that for the world. I can't even begin to tell you how my relationship with God has grown because of my relationship with Paul Wiggs because he's weird. Or with Craig. Or Ryan. Or Steve Burns. Or George. Or any of our staff. They're all really weird. And because of it, all of them, one of the most significant blessings to me and my life and my walk and my witness since I came here three years ago. Praise God for you all. I've grown in Christ because of each and every one of them and their weirdness. They're not like meanness. And whether on a staff level or a church-wide level, that blessing is there to be grasped by all of us. Will we humble ourselves to learn and to grow because someone else is different than we are? Or will we attack? Or will we turn and run, throw in the towel, give up, and leave and go find another church or a place or people who are more like me under some fantasy that, well, you know, I just kind of find the me church. Well, while I see value in different denominations and expressions of the body of Christ, Paul's metaphor of body, though, was one people of God. It's not a direct fit. While I see value in many different expressions of the church, it may indeed be God's way of reaching as many different people as possible wherever they are. There is, nevertheless, a dark and troublesome side to denominationalism. I spent some time this week researching how many different Christian denominations there are worldwide. Going into the research, I thought several hundred. I was wrong. Do you know there are some 35,000 different Christian denominations? 35,000! And again, perhaps God in His grace was in this in order to better reach many different types of people, although I tend to think He's in it trying to do that despite this, or working in something that's bad for good, like He is wont to do, read Romans. But because I believe, I also believe God's idea for church is in foundational part because He wants unity and diversity to mark His people of God, 
I can't help but wonder how many of those divisions from the one church in the first century, how many of those divisions over the centuries were because people became fed up with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ simply because they were different than themselves because they were diverse. When that's the very reason God wants us to hang together. Ouch, 35,000. Consider the witness of that to the world, a world full of weird people who the Bible and psychologists both tell us are compelled by a deep longing and need to belong. And the people of God are fragmented 35,000 ways? How could we possibly proclaim to the world that in Jesus there is no Jew or Gentile, no male or female, no slave or free, no dividing differences while standing on the common ground of Jesus Christ? How could we possibly proclaim that when we can't even hang in there with each other? 35,000? Now consider the witness of So help us, God, what even one local church can be to the same world of weird people. If we can somehow manage, so help us, God, to stay unified in Christ Jesus despite our differences, how much more powerful the witness. How much more inviting that invitation to weird people everywhere longing to belong, to come on in and join us in our unified, diverse weirdness. Granted, there are reasons to establish boundaries with other people, to divide with others. We call those dividing lines our essentials of the faith. Those essentials establish in part the people of God as a whole. I'm not talking about those when I advocate unity and diversity. Instead, I'm talking about those things within the circle, within the people of God that threaten to divide brothers and sisters in Christ. And some within God's people seem bent on causing such division. They run around complaining loudly about this or that within God's church, within the people of God. And while they may have great ideas for improving our witness as the people of God... Many often jump so quickly to a false solution of abandoning the church and starting their own group. 35,000 times. And in a matter of time, they too will divide when they don't agree. And they don't, in their however unintended arrogance, in my opinion, see it. Where will the division solution end until finally we redefine church down to each individual before God? We couldn't possibly get further away from God's great idea of the people of God. Rather than divide over differences, wouldn't it be better to get over ourselves and embrace the much harder work of getting along with the other people of God despite our differences over non-essentials. Don't bash the church because you have a different opinion. Instead, share your opinion in humility within the community of God's people. Pray for the humility enough to recognize that maybe, just maybe, you don't have a corner on just how to do church either. If you leave, 
We can't benefit or grow from your opinion. If you leave, you can't benefit from the hard work of making it work with someone as weird as you. And if you leave, the worldwide witness of a fragmented people of God who can't get along only gets worse. But if you stay, hang in there and embrace the hard work of unity and diversity, well, there's no telling what God will do with a unified witness to a world of people aching to belong somewhere. Each of you were invited to take a wooden alphabet block with you on your way in this morning. If you don't have a block, don't be shy. Would you raise your hand and wave it wildly in the air so we can get you one? All right, we got some. Bob, did I have you ready or someone ready in the back with those buckets? I see someone going into the foyer. The foyer. The narthex. The lobby. We like our words, don't we? All right, they're coming in with the blue buckets. Okay, now your hands went down. Don't be shy. Wave them wildly. We know you're weird already, so this will just... (laughs) While they're passing those out, let me set this up a bit, what I'd like for you to do. Letters are great, aren't they? And they're especially great on these cool little wooden blocks, don't you think? You all each have one. I took a complete set just because I can. Call it a pastor perk. We take those when we can get them. They don't come along too often. And letters are great. But you know what? As great as letters are, it's nothing compared to when you put letters together to form words. One author I was reading this week put it this way. The most breathtaking achievement of the phonetic alphabet is its remarkable efficiency. Only 26 symbols are needed for endless communication. An infinite number of thoughts can be expressed simply by arranging and rearranging only 26 shapes. And oh, my friends, so too with the people of God. Is this why God put us together in church? Because each of us are like different shaped letters that when formed together, working together like letters do when they form words. That when we're together like that, we can accomplish an infinitely great witness, so help us God, to a world full of stranded and isolated letters. So here's your task this morning. Something to remember the message today. When I say go, I'm asking you please that you get up and move around. Yes, in church. And you move around and mingle among all the other weird people here. And you take your letters and you form words. Oh, so help us God. Sounds hard? Exactly. Three things. One at least to make it harder. 
before I set you loose. One, your word must be five letters minimum. <laughs> this is the anti-Scrabble player in me because it drives me nuts playing Scrabble. Any, any possible two or three letter word combination in Scrabble, it's in that Scrabble dictionary. I, I, I want to burn them. One, your word must be five letters minimum. Two, there's a free coffee token for anyone with a Q or an X who has the guts to form a word. Good luck. And three, there's another free token for the group that forms the longest word. But keep in mind, I'm only giving you a few precious minutes tops to do this. So if you're thinking you're going to tackle supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, you won't make it. So don't get overambitious on the long word contest. Okay. Are there any questions on what's about to go down? Look at you, eager. All right. On your mark, get set, go. Make some words with your letters. Okay, I've had, uh, I've had a request. Listen up right here from this young lady. What's your name? Chelsea. Chelsea. Listen to Chelsea. Here you go, Chelsea. Does anyone have an O? Seriously, I need, 
you. Come here. <laughs> Chelsea may have the gift of evangelism. See, isn't that something? Great idea. It's what we do when we get together as a church. It's kind of hard. It's brilliant that she thinks, man, I really want to get this done. If I could only talk to everyone, and she comes up and takes the microphone. She gets a coffee token. And now, here's a less than stellar example of the love of Christ. People are coming up to steal my letters. Another fascinating difference that I'm seeing. A lot of you are staying sort of in your own kingdom. And then some are traveling across and going to far seas. So too with the church. Okay. Norm Nadalski needed an O, but his block didn't have an O, so he took out a black marker and wrote an O on the side. Innovative people of God, aren't we? <laughs> All right, hang on to it. Hang on to it. Hang on to it. See, look at you. You're all really proud of what your words are, everybody. Okay. For the coffee token, folks, you'll need to find Dave Beatty in the lobby afterwards, so descend on him. Thank you, Dave. For your X and Q coffee tokens. Bible. That ought to win a coffee token. Oh, and, and swimming. Does anybody have a word nine letters long? Oh, we got, how about ten letters long? Nobody have ten? Oh, ten. How about eleven? Okay. You folks in the upper balcony, go show Dave Beatty your ten-letter word afterward. And you can all share one free coffee. No, he'll have coffee tokens for you. You did it quickly. Okay. Let me see the hands of anyone who had a Q or an X. See how proud they are? They're all up front. I have a Q and formed a word. Now, let me ask you. Okay, someone formed the word Todd. That gets a coffee. T- no. Now let me ask you, see I figured the one day I could keep you long is where I sort of said, sorry, if you need to go, please, I'll wrap up quickly. Any Q's or X's that, no, no, I'm not done. Any Q's or X's that ended up alone? Okay, raise your hand high if you're a Q or an X that ended up alone. Now listen, they're all alone. Oh no! 
What a terrible witness. Is there anyone too weird or different that can't belong here? Someone form a word with these people quick. Now, you don't have to now, but you know when people come in and they can't find a place to fit in, well, I'm just a Q or an X. This must not be what they said about Christianity, that it's for all. (laughs) Now, see... How much easier, how much easier if I would have just asked you to find other letters just like you? That's our tendency. It's why church on the golf course or church as a small group really isn't church. Again, those are great things, but think about it. We tend to group our golf buddies or small groups around similarities, don't we? We tend to choose to hang with people just like us. If we did that as a church, we'd have things like the first church of the W's. The witness of that church would be, what good is that? You know, we even do that with our Sunday school classes, right? Young marrieds with children, young marrieds without children. Young Mary's with red cars. 30s, 40s, 50s. Now, hear me again, please. That's great. That serves a purpose to be walking with people who are in the same life experience. But there's a purpose and value in walking with people who don't have your experience. Maybe you'll learn something new. So those small groups in Sunday school class... It's only great in addition to church. This time on Sunday morning. It's the only time all week where we all come together. Maybe 1% of your weekly time, 1%. And when we miss that albeit tiny time, we not only cost ourselves some valuable diversity time, growing time, we cause the rest of the people of God to lose out too by our absence. It just... It breaks my heart. It bums me out when people avoid coming to church because there's nothing in it for them. Or they find it better. Let's just do the small group thing. Oh, how we miss out on an important reason for God's idea of church. And we cost others the value of our weird presence, which they need. A first church of the W's may be easier, but it's not nearly as fun, adventurous, valuable as using our individual letters to form words, as putting together our differences in a way to infinitely proclaim and become the kingdom of God, the people of God. Why go to church? One way to answer that question, we go to church to be a weird person of God and to surround ourselves with other weird people of God. So that in that unified diversity, we grow individually and corporately and are better equipped to reach the world with the kingdom of God. Let me leave you with God's words, not mine. 
Paul says in Ephesians 2, In Jesus, the capstone, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 12, not 2, my apologies for the misprint in your bulletins. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul continues, Now the body of Christ is not made up of one part, but of many. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? Where indeed? A diverse but unified people of God. It's God's idea. So come to church, won't you? And let's get after it. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, what an amazing idea that you would try and reach the world that you love through weird people bonded together with one purpose and even use that bonding as the witness of a God who loves all. Help us, please, to tackle the hard work of unity and diversity. We can't do it on our own. Help us by the power of your love and your spirit. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We'll let the reading of Ephesians and 1 Corinthians be your blessing this morning. Go in peace. God bless you all. Amen.